conviction that had been growing in his own mind. What's crazy about it? Well, for one thing, the feller that's bossing it. Denim? That's him. A feller that if he wants a picture of a lion will walk right up and tell it to look pleasant. If that ain't crazy, I want to know. Weston chuckled. That wasn't so far from his own estimate of the doughty director of the Wanderer's Destinies. He's a tough egg, all right, he agreed. But why the talk about this voyage being crazy? Because it is, that's why. The watchman emerged from his snug, protected niche, the better to pursue the conversation. Everybody around the dock, and let me tell you, there are some smart men around here, even if they ain't got such high and mighty jobs. Everybody around the dock says it's crazy. Take the cargo this denim stowed away. There's stuff down there I can't believe yet, and I've seen it go aboard with my own two eyes. And take the crew. It's three times too big for the ship. Why, it'll take shoehorns to fit them all in. He paused, but only for breath. Plainly, he was prepared to bark out an interminable succession of charges against the wanderer. Before he could reopen his critical barrage, however, a young, authoritative voice put a permanent stop to it. Hey, on the gangway there, what do you want? Weston looked up toward the low deck rail amidship. Light streaming from a cabin astern and higher up outlined a figure, and in the illumination Weston felt sure from Denham's descriptions that he was seeing the wanderer's personable first mate. There, unmistakably, was the long, young body Denham had praised. There were the reckless eyes, the full, strong mouth. Weston, whose experiences had taught him to guard against spontaneous regard for any stranger, however personable, yielded for once to a swift liking. There, he admitted, was as pleasant a young fellow as a man could hope to meet. As any woman could hope to meet, he added on second glance. What do you want? The brisk demand came down a second time as Weston made his inspection. I want to come aboard, Mr. Driscoll, Weston replied, and grown a little more cheerful because of his liking for the mate, he began a cautious ascent of the wet and slippery gangway. Oh, you must be Weston. Broadway's one and only, Weston admitted. Weston, the ace of theatrical agents, even if, he added as he began to puff a little from the ascent, my wind is not what it used to be. Come aboard, come aboard, cried Driscoll. Denham's wild to hear from you. Have you found the girl? In the darkness, Weston's cheer evaporated. He made a wry face and said nothing but followed Driscoll's springing stride aft and up a ladder to the lighted cabin. This low enclosure was invitingly spick and span, but it was furnished with the Spartan simplicity which characterizes womanless quarters. The sole decorations were a mirror on one wall, and a well-filled pipe-rack on another, unless one counted an overcoat or two with attendant hats. For the rest, there were only four chairs, an oblong table of the broad, squat sort favored by men who liked to spread out maps for studying, an open box containing black corrugated iron spheres larger than oranges but smaller than grapefruit, and a brightly polished brass cuspidor which stood close by a foot of one of the two men waiting in the cabin. This man was lean and of no more than middle height. Behind a heavy mustache, 
His hard jaw worked slowly upon a generous mouthful of plug cut. He was in vest and shirt sleeves. Above these, a captain's uniform cap lent an air of command. But this did not keep him from stepping definitely aside in order to leave the center of the stage to his companion. His companion was just such a well-tailored, well-groomed man of thirty-five as you might run into at any stockbroker's desk, although there you would rarely encounter such an air of solid power, of indomitable will. Bright brown eyes, shining with an unquenchable zest for the adventure of living, flashed toward Weston as he entered, and an impatient voice said without preliminary, Weston, I was just going ashore to ring you up. If I'd known that, I'd have waited, Weston answered, eyeing his wet shoes. Shake hands with the skipper, Captain Englehorn, Denham pushed on. The man in the captain's cap, turning from a center shot into the bright cuspidor, held out a rough, thick hand, and after it had been shaken, moved the box of corrugated iron spheres to make more room at the table for Weston's chair. I take it you're already acquainted with Jack, Denham added. And as Weston nodded smilingly at Driscoll, who smiled back, he went on. Well, then you've met a pair you'd never come across on Broadway, old man. Both of them were with me on my last two trips, and I'll tell you, if they weren't going on this one, I'd think a long time before I started. There fell that little restless silence which always burdens men upon whom extreme praise has been bestowed. Then Denham dropped into his chair and eyed the theatrical agent. Where's the girl, Weston? I haven't got one. What? Denham struck the table. Look here, Weston. The actor's equity and the Hayes outfit have warned every girl I've tried to hire, and every agent but you has backed away. You're all I've got. You know I'm square. Everybody knows you're square, Weston grunted, breathing audibly. But everybody knows also how reckless you are. And on top of that, how can you hope to inspire confidence about this particular voyage when you're so secretive? There's truth, drawled Englehorn, and leaned down to his cuspidor. Absolutely, cried Driscoll, rubbing his handsome young jaw. Why, not even the skipper and the mate know where this old ship's going. There you are, Weston spread his palms up. Think of my reputation, Denham. I can't send a young, pretty girl, or for that matter even a homely one if you'd have her, on a job like this without telling her what to expect. And what is she to expect? Denham demanded. To go off for no one knows how long to some spot you won't even hint at. The only woman on a ship that carries the toughest mugs my wise old Broadway eyes ever looked up and down. As the other three grinned, the agent added hastily, Of course, I mean the crew. Weston! Denham's fist crashed onto the table again. I'm going out to do the biggest thing in my life, and I've got to have that girl. You never had a woman in any of your other pictures. Why do you want one for this? Hell's bells! You don't think I'm consulting my own preference, I hope. Then why? Why? The public's why. My blessed public must have a pretty girl's face. Romance isn't romance, adventure is as dull as dishwater. To my public. Unless every so often a face to sink a thousand ships, or is it saps, shows up. Imagine I slave, I sweat blood to make a fine picture, and then the public says, 
We'd have liked it twice as much if there'd been a girl in it. And the exhibitors say, if he'd given us a real love interest, the picture would have grossed twice as much. All right! Denham's fist hit the table one last decisive thump. They want a girl. I'll give them a girl. The dark declaration of the old watchman returned to Weston. Denham wasn't, of course, crazy. But just the same, his present plan was not one a theatrical agent who cared for his reputation ought to help along. Sorry, he said, and picked up his hat. I don't believe there's anything I can do for you. You've got to do a lot, Denham said, and in a hurry. We have to sail on the morning tide. We must be out of here by daylight. Why? I guess it won't do any harm to tell you now, Denham decided irritably. We're carrying explosives, and the insurance company has found out. If we don't get away on the jump, a marshal's deputy will be on our necks, and then there will be a legal row and we'll be tied up for months. His mood changed suddenly, and going over to the box that Engelhorn had pushed aside, he picked up one of the iron spheres. He looked at it with a proud, possessive grin. Far be it from me, he said, to tell you, Weston, that any girl you'd find for me would meet with no danger on this expedition. Of course there'll be a little now and then. Maybe, he conceded with a broader grin, more than a little. But take this from me. So long as we have a couple of these handy, nothing very serious can happen. What have you got there? Gas bombs, old man. My own prescription. Or perhaps I should say my own improvement upon standard models. Gas bombs powerful enough to knock a row of elephants for a loop. What? Weston stammered. Denham. Everything.